The sermon passage for today is Luke 22, verses 7 to 23. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house where he enters And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as, has, as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, would you take your word, which is true, which is unchanging, and would you allow us to see and meet with you? Lord, would you... Work mightily and powerfully as your people are gathered around your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn over to the book of Luke uh, chapter 22, which Kimberly just read for us. And our sermon today is entitled Our Passover. And as I mentioned earlier in the service, we are um, settling in the last week of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. And I think what is really important for us this morning is to remember why we're doing this. We we take a week to remember the last week in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus to keep us rooted in Jesus. What is going, what did take place in Jerusalem in the last week of Jesus's earthly life, his arrest, his betrayal, his crucifixion, his burial, his rising again, his appearing, these real events definitively and finally purchased salvation for the people of God. These events are central to the church. They're central to the faith. They're central to who we are. And we want to celebrate Christ in such a way that we keep Christ central. And so today, within this sweep of this last week of the life of Jesus, we're going to look particularly 
at an event that church history has called the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper because it was the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. It's called the Last Supper because it was a Passover celebration to remember God's past faithfulness to his people in hopes of continual faithfulness. And it's called the Last Supper because Jesus says that that this will be the last such celebration that he will participate in until the great feast that lasts forever. So what we're going to see this morning is that God used history and God used the history of his promises and the history of his faithfulness to his people to prepare his people to see the Savior, Jesus. This story of the Last Supper is a bright, shining light upon Christ. Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Savior. Christ is our hope. So for some of us today, perhaps this will be uh, an exercise in learning. It will be an exercise in seeing new things we've never seen in the Scripture. If so, that is a beautiful reality, and I would pray that God would stir us to faith and stir us to awe and stir us to worship. For many of us, particularly those of us who have been at Redeemer for some time, today's sermon's not going to check any aha box, any, oh, I've never seen that before box. But, but it's important that we remember that an aha moment is not required to worship. An aha moment is not required to be moved to faithfulness. And I would pray that we would be moved to joy in the greatness of God, and joy in the power of God. This Last Supper, Jesus holds it to ensure that his followers make the connection between God's deliverance of his people past tense and in their hopes being realized, present tense, for life everlasting, future tense. There's a lot going on in just a few verses. So let's look at them together. The first point, if you want to take notes, is the first Passover. The first Passover. So if you look at the text, the key focus is on the Passover. So just start looking at verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, which was part of the feast of Passover, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus said, verse 8, go prepare the Passover for us. Verse 10, tell, verse 11, tell the man that we need a guest room to prepare the Passover with my disciples. Verse 13, they found the room and they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, 
Reclining at table, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It is no accident that the Last Supper happened as a Passover celebration. And Luke, the author of this text, and Jesus, the speaker of much of this text, is insistent that the connection be made. The Last Supper was a Passover celebration. So that should really stir the question in us, what is the Passover? The Passover was... And for many in the Jewish tradition who don't see Jesus as Messiah is an annual remembrance of God's faithfulness to deliver his people from slavery and bondage in Egypt so that they could worship him freely. And every element of this Passover celebration was a remembrance of what God had done. And every element of this Passover celebration was a retelling of God's work for his people. The guide for Passover is called an Haggadah, which means the telling. It's a telling of God's work for his people. And all of this harkens back to a real event in real place and real time known as the Passover. So we at Redeemer for many months now have been studying the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus is where this real event occurs. God powerfully and miraculously delivers his people from captivity and bondage and slavery from the Pharaoh of Egypt. God did that. Exodus tells us this story. We can read about it in Exodus 6, Exodus 7, Exodus 8, Exodus 9, Exodus 10, 11, 12, 13. Not only does God miraculously deliver his people, but he does it in such a way that his people are told to celebrate what God did in the same way every year. So the first Passover created an annual Passover. The first Passover created an annual Passover. And here's what Passover looked like. When God came to deliver his people, he said to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. And each time Pharaoh said, no, or maybe no, or let me think about it, no, or yes, uh, no, 
And each time Pharaoh says no, God sends a plague upon Egypt. And each of these plagues is intended to show the power of God. It's intended to undermine one of the false gods of Egypt, and it's intended to get Pharaoh's attention. So there was the plague of blood, the plague of frogs, the plague of lice, the plague of beasts, the plague of cattle disease, the plague of boils, the plague of hail, that's H-A-I-L, we're in the south, I gotta be clear, the plague of locusts, the plague of darkness, and then the final and definitive plague was the, the death of a firstborn son. And this is where Passover enters in. Because God said, listen, death will come to every house. I will take the firstborn in every house, but for my people, I will make a way that death doesn't come to their house, but passes over their house. So God's making a way for death to pass over the house of the people of Israel. And the way that death would pass over is that God's description, which we read earlier in Exodus 12, they would take the blood of a lamb, they would kill the lamb, they would take the blood, and they would put the blood on the door of the house where the people were gathered inside. And what God says is, I will see the blood, and because of the blood of the lamb, death will pass right over you. So in reality, on the Passover, death comes to every household, either in the form of the death of a lamb or in the form of the death of a firstborn. So God's people in the Passover celebration remember how God made a way of salvation for his people through the blood of a lamb who replaced death in the household. So God did this. These are real events. And the people of Israel were commanded to remember this year after year after year so that their identity and their hope would be defined and shaped by what God had done for them. So the people of Israel were intended to be shaped by the God of the Passover, by the God who brought deliverance and salvation to his people. And central to this remembrance is the blood of a lamb on a doorpost. So this passage in Luke 22 is about a Passover celebration. But it's no simple Passover celebration. It is the Passover celebration that will shine a light on the greater Passover lamb and the greater Passover who is Jesus, the son of God. And so that points us to, that, that drives us to our second point this morning, the promised Passover. So during this Last Supper, when the people, when, when Jesus and his disciples are celebrating Passover, he does something that he uses the Passover to highlight for his disciples what he is going to do for them. He does something which says, what you have longed for is satisfied and met in me. Jesus intentionally 
reinterprets the Passover as preparing for himself coming to live and die and take away the sins of the people. Now, you might say, okay, show me that. So let's look at that. Look at verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. Now, you know, we tell our kids to sit up straight at the table, right? Like that's how we're trying to do this. Um, I did a little research, like reclined at table means like laid on your left hip while laying on your left elbow with your legs kicked out having a meal. Now, maybe I'm just old, but that sounds painful, doesn't it? Anybody? Painful? So maybe the parenthetical note should be, and all their legs were asleep from the knee down. I don't know. It's not in there. So they reclined at table, which was a common way to celebrate a meal. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So we're celebrating the Passover. Verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying in verse 16, and then again down in At a later point, sorry. He says, I won't eat this again until all's fulfilled in the kingdom. What he's saying is, this is the last Passover that I will celebrate with you until the new heavens and the new earth and the Passover feast that lasts forever. But here, This is the last one we'll celebrate. But before we celebrate it, or as we celebrate it, I'm going to show you my work through the Passover. I'm going to show you my work through the Passover. And the two ways that Jesus is going to show his work through the Passover celebration is the bread and the cup. And so the the text says in verse 19... And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Now, I think we read that and we go, oh, that's a really cool metaphor. Like, he he had some bread, and he he got the bread, and he broke it, and he said, like, this is my body. It is a cool metaphor, but that's not what's going on. What's going on is right up until this point, this is exactly how a Passover meal unfolded. As as the meal unfolded, they took the bread, remembering the affliction in Egypt, remembering the way they made their bread quickly and in haste because they were leaving and God was delivering them. Every Passover Seder goes through the breaking of the bread as a remembrance of the bread in Egypt. But notice what Jesus does. He takes that bread the bread of remembrance, the bread of Egypt, the bread of affliction, and notice what he does. He he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what does Jesus do? He says, this bread is now taking on a new significance. This bread is intended to remind you of me. 
Why? Why not just let the bread remind us of Egypt? Because through me is about to come a deliverance greater than what happened in Egypt. Therefore, the broken bread now symbolizes my body afflicted for you. And your ongoing remembrance will not be the appetizer back in Egypt, but it'll be the meal, which is my body broken for you. What Jesus is saying is, I'm your promised Passover. And then he goes on. Verse 20, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten. And again, I think we read that and we go, oh, cool. They just eaten. They were probably a little bit thirsty. So they would grab a cup, right? That's what we would do. Need a refill? Not in the Seder. In the Seder, you drink when you're told to drink. And after the meal, they would fill their cup for the third time. And when they filled their cup for the third time, it was called the cup of redemption. And what they were remembering was how God had spared the people in Egypt through the blood of a lamb. That's what the cup of redemption was about, remembering that God had spared them in Egypt through the blood of the lamb. Now, what does Jesus say? This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So what Jesus is saying is your cup of redemption is is my blood. What we're going to remember is not the deliverance of a lamb back then, but we're going to remember my blood covering your sin now. So what's going on In these verses, is Jesus is telling his disciples that what we celebrate tonight, the Passover, is a means of helping us understand what's about to happen. I am going to die, and I'm going to rise again because I am your greater Passover. And then he looks, verse 21, and he says, one of you is going to betray me because death is coming. Death is coming. So what's going on in the Last Supper is Jesus is telling his disciples what you celebrate and remember and long for in the Passover is finding its completion in me. I am your greater Passover. And from henceforth, when you take the bread and you take the cup, you take it remembering what I have done for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, now let's take a step back. The sweep of this should be overwhelmingly joyful to us. 
So if we just took a step back and we said, okay, what's God been doing in history? Redeeming a people. How? Through the life and death and burial and resurrection of his son who took on flesh named Jesus. Okay. How did God prepare his people to see that Jesus was the Savior? Thousands of years before, he delivered his people from a lesser slavery, a lesser bondage, and a lesser evil. And he did it in such a way that he commanded his people to remember that every single year. That God is faithful. God delivers. God is good. God provides a means of, of salvation. And every year, they're going to celebrate it. And then the week that changes the world, God intentionally put it right there in that week. That week of looking back. That week of remembering. And he said, look at me. Because I am your greater Deliverer. Hence, John 1 would say that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What the scripture would clearly testify to us is that while none of us are in physical slavery in the physical country of Egypt, we are in slavery to sin. All of us, in all the places. And all of us need to be delivered. And the scripture says, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ, Jesus Christ used the Last Supper as an opportunity to take the Passover, shine a light on his redemption, and prepare the people for a new supper that we call the Lord's Supper. That pushes us to our third point, our Passover. How should we respond to this? How should we respond to this? I have three ways. Number one, Make room for all, A-W-E. You know, we like to say, that's awesome. Like, like, make room for all. All requires time. It requires silence. It requires thinking. But take a step back and think about all the ways that God was meticulously at work to get his son in the world at the right moment, in the right time, to do the definitive delivering work that the world most needed and celebrate God's work. Like, be filled with awe.
Second, consider your need of a savior. Consider your need of a redeemer. The purpose of the passage is not just to change the celebration. The purpose of the passage is to make sure that the disciples see the saving work of Jesus. The death that's coming, the darkness that's coming, the burial that's coming, The resurrection that's coming is not an accident. It's not a defeat. It's not the end of the work of Jesus. Rather, it is the intentional, needed offering to take away the sin of the world. Christ is their Passover lamb. He is their greater Passover, and he, by faith, is ours as well. The question is, have I been covered in the blood of Christ? To push the metaphor, if death were to come and visit today, would I face death or would I be passed over because I'm covered in the blood of Christ? Scripture says we become covered in the blood of Christ when we hear this good news, we believe this good news, we acknowledge and repent of and turn away from our sin and rebellion, and we plead for this Christ to cover us and forgive us and accept us. Am I in Christ. Have I been covered in the blood of Christ? Have I been forgiven? Or will I face death when death comes? And by death, I mean a eternal spiritual death. Friends, there is no day like today to move toward Christ in Church, Holy Week, Lord's Supper, Baptism, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, those are hollow religious expressions without Christ making each of us new in his blood. So don't do the stuff and miss the Jesus. But in Christ, covered in his blood, all things made new, these gatherings stir us to faith and to hope and to love, and that's where we want to move. Third, if the the second response is, am I covered in the blood of Christ. Then third, 
response is, am I staying in Christ? Friends, we don't move away from the cross. Let me rephrase that. It's not good to move away from the cross. Our theology, our study, our discipleship, our convictions, our approaches to the world, our approaches to the church are intended to drive us to Jesus. We need Christ. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, do this in remembrance of me, do this in remembrance of me, he's not just talking about fond memories, he's talking about staying rooted in him. Jesus is our hope. He is our savior. He is our Passover. He is our deliverer. We find life by clinging to him. The church of Jesus finds its hope and its joy and its way forward through the blood of Christ and we never leave that blood behind. Our first step toward the Lord and toward the things of the Lord day by day by day moves through. I am a sinner who needs a savior and I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I've been made new. My heart is being changed. Praise the Lord for his work in Christ. This passage calls upon us to stay rooted in Christ. And as we watch the unfolding of the story of Jesus and the building of the church, an annual celebration of the Passover becomes a regular celebration of the Lord's Supper, which continually shapes the people in their great Passover lamb, who is Jesus the Christ. Later in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul would write, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we take the bread and drink the cup and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes because our rest and our position and our hope is in Christ. 